0: Brenton Strange is entering the 2023 NFL Draft. He's going to play in the Rose Bowl, but he is leaving Penn State after the season is finished. And yeah, it it stings to see him go, but I think Penn State's going to be in good hands with the tight end room next year.
1: You are locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Zach Seiko, your host, and I am privileged to be joined by another guest this week. It's the Rose Bowl. So we're going to have a full, we're going to get you the most uh insight the most information the best takes about this game uh, and that is maddie fresh matt freiler over on the other end matt thanks for coming back on and uh, doing another locked on episode with me yeah of course thanks for having me zach always a pleasure yeah and, and it's great to to get your perspective you're actually uh, by the time this is up uh you're going to be up in the air flying over to pasadena
1: yeah, well, actually heading to Vegas, like I think most Penn State fans uh, realized that flying into LAX was a little ridiculous, at least when I booked. I don't know how it looks now. I'm sure probably even worse now. But yeah, flying into Vegas, uh, spent a New Year's Eve out there watching the college football playoff in one of the sports books and then heading over New Year's Day uh, to L.A. So a couple hour drive and excited for a trip. Should be cool to see both cities and uh, fired up for Monday.
0: And then, so I guess our sponsor's pretty fitting for today's episode then, huh?
1: Always, always (laughs) with us, you know it.
0: Uh, so we're uh, before we get into the Rose Bowl, actually, uh, we're we're starting off with Brenton Strange, and then uh, another piece of recent news, and that is in fact uh, Storm Duck actually is going to be uh, transferring in. So first, I, I want to get your thoughts on Brenton Strange, then the the whole secondary situation, and why uh, Storm Duck could be valuable transferring in, uh, but ultimately your take on it, and then we'll get into the nuts and bolts of the Rose Bowl in the second and third segment, and finishing up with our predictions. I- I'm I'm sure everyone's to hear what what score prediction you have Uh, and myself i've been saving it even though i've kind of given hints that i I do like penn state in this one but that's that's for later uh so brenton strange are you first off are you surprised by this at all
1: yeah i have been discussing this one with um a lot of people and and i was i guess kind of surprised that we weren't getting any news like either way um and, and we, he was just kind of hanging in the balance. And then obviously some more rumblings were coming out as the month went on. And he was like the one where you just, you weren't sure, right. Everybody else was kind of clear cut, whether they were coming back or, 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 or going pro and, and Breton strange, you just, you just never knew really what his decision was going to be. And obviously his birthday yesterday, he comes out and decides to uh, declare. And let me ask you, Zach, how much is this Bretton strange knowing that he can be a top round draft pick, like maybe a top four round draft pick versus maybe looking at that tight end room with Dio Johnson and Tyler Warren and some of the things they were able to do down the stretch and saying, well, maybe my options would be either transfer or declare and, and deciding declare might be the better option instead of trying to transfer Mm -hmm. because I mean, there's so many mouths to feed in this offense. And when you got a tight end room like that, it, it's hard to be the guy. And he was able to be the guy because yeah. Theo Johnson was so banged up all season. But with a healthy Warren, Johnson too. and a healthy Warren, like if those three guys stay healthy, there's just not enough passes to throw, especially when you got running backs that need 30 carries a game. So I understand where he's coming from. I wish him the best. Brenton Strange had an exceptional season. There was. So many great highlights from the touchdown against Purdue to the um, leap over the pylon. I believe it was against Ohio, just mm-hmm. a, just a bowling ball, just guys bouncing off him. And, and, and what I liked about Brenton strange is I think he put Sean Clifford at ease in a lot of these situations because he was such a good check down, man, where he just always seemed to be open. If Clifford's first or second read didn't work out, just dump it off the strange, let him rumble 15 yards. But yeah, it'll be interesting in the NFL where now the, the, the kind of prototypical tight end is more of a kind of a receiving Mike six 6'6 type of guy to see kind of what his role might be, um, since he's a little smaller than most tight ends in the NFL. A little, as far as little shorter anyway. Yeah. Shorter, right. Yeah, he is. he's a big dude. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I wish him the best. And uh, I just kind of wonder what went into his decision. I guess we'll just really never know.
0: I think that had to, I I really think you bring up an excellent point in the fact that Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren are kind of ready to take that next step. And it's not because honestly, coming into the season, I I mean, I I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I was kind of on, on the one side saying, you know, could Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren become tight end one themselves and Brenton strange solidified his status in that case. So there was the debate and then he put the debate to rest. So to be a little metaphorical here, why open that debate up again when you showed that you are a capable tight end when you are the guy and you don't have to split? Because honestly, I mean, it's not that, yeah, there's a tension to go around, but when Brenton Strange was the only guy and they had to double team him or at least account for him when it was Khalil Dinkins was really the next guy up in some situations, he he was more than capable. And I think, you might as well strike while the iron's hot rather than leaving it open to, well, uh, why did he take a step back next year? Not assuming that he would, but it it has more to do with not the lack of talent that Brenton Strange has, but the fact that Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren have all the talent that they do.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's hard enough to feed two tight ends that is three. So uh, obviously I think that if you really look at next season, Theo Johnson may climb as high as second or third when it comes to receiving period on ILT. team. Um, that's the expectations that they're going to need out of him with Washington and Tinsley leaving. So, yeah, I think that it, it, it is a big loss because Brenton Strange is kind of that glue guy. But wish him the best, and, and I hope he finds a role in the NFL that will be prosperous for him.
0: Matty Fresh, Matt Freyler joining me on the other side on this Locked On Nittany Lions episode. We're talking Brenton Strange. Where do you think he gets drafted ultimately?
1: See, this is another thing, right, where you look at a lot of the prospects on Penn State's roster and you'd be able to give a number. He was one where I wasn't even thinking, but <sighs> I would say somewhere fifth or sixth round. I think it's going to be late. I just don't think there's enough on tape, honestly. And uh, like I said, a lot of tight ends that he's going up against that are six, seven, six, six, 6'6", um, playing these spread offenses. So I, it's going to be tough. I think fifth or sixth round probably.
0: He's going to need the combine in the pro day, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he'll get invited because his blocking, I think, will go a long way uh, to at least get him on a roster. So I don't think it should be up for debate. Well, is he going to make cut? I think he'll he'll make a team regardless um and right. I, I would i would i think the fifth round is probably the case because you had do have some at, like a michael Mayer out of notre dame a Dalton kincaid uh from utah in this case thank god he's not playing in this rose bowl <laughs> um but you yeah, and you, you are one going, more point zach that i kind yeah. of wanted
1: to make with all these changes that are happening with college football concerning transfer portal nil and uh just all the rules that are changing um when will we ever see if ever a rule where a player would declare for the NFL draft, go undrafted and be able to come back to school. Cause I think that would probably be pretty soon. That might be next.
0: Um, I feel like I know... that was in place. I can you do I'm that? Showing, I'm showing some true colors here by the fact that uh, I, I know that's the case. I think that's the case in the NBA. I thought sure. it was anyway, because I feel like I've heard that. I, I feel like I have. Yeah, so. I,
1: I mean, I can't think of a guy that might've done that since like, I think of like a Maurice Claret, like way back where he, it didn't work out for him in the NFL draft. And then he had to come back to – he tried to come back to school and it was blocked. Um, but, yeah, I don't know it, what that rule is. I guess you just don't see that many cases, right? Because if a guy declares there, yeah. they know for sure. And we're not saying Bretton Strange isn't going to get drafted. I'm just no. curious if that might be the next change that would come through. Complicated, obviously.
0: Yeah, it'll be – with. With NIL in the transfer portal, I can see one. I mean, they're looking after the players, so that would definitely benefit the players more than anything else. Uh, it was locked on Nittany Lions. Now, real quickly, before we get into the Rose Bowl itself, uh, Penn State actually picks up somebody in the transfer portal. It's not a special teams guy, uh, so there's a little more to there's a little more to analyze here, and that is Storm Duck. Obviously, love the name, uh, but for the he'll end up on the all-name team next year. But uh, is he going to be a significant contributor? Is he going to be a rotational guy? I I'm still kind of scratching my head as far as why Penn State's looking for a guy in the secondary when they have Kalen King and Johnny Dixon expecting both of them to start uh, in 2023.
1: Yeah, I guess you just kind of take what you can get, right? Um, Storm Duck obviously sees the situation that Penn state has in the defensive back room. And if he's willing to commit with this situation on hand with all these talented players and all this experience that they have back there in the secondary, I think storm duck is that kind of is telling of his character. He's a guy who wants to compete, right? You don't see a lot of transfers Mm -hmm. that look at this kind of situation where they maybe would have like a low playing time expectation And come in and say, no, I'm going to compete. I kind of think of like a Johnny Dixon, right? People forget Johnny Dixon was a transfer from South Carolina and uh, had his lumps early on at Penn State, did not look good at times. I remember a play against Michigan State in 2021 uh, where he gave up a touchdown uh, late in the fourth um, to Jaden Reed. Uh, But obviously Dixon settled in this year and became a much better player. Um, now I don't know about Storm Duck if he has two years of eligibility or just the one. I know he was a four-year player at North Carolina. Yeah. Um, so whether he gets one, kind of like Mitchell Tinsley did, or if he if he's able to play for two seasons, that will go a far way. But yeah, haven't haven't seen much on him of tape. I know that North Carolina, uh, for me, was typically a team this season that you would take the over uh, yeah. because they didn't play didn't play a lot of defense, and it's kind of strange, right? Because Gene Chiswick. Is the defensive coordinator there at North Carolina? So um, at least he had played for someone like Mac Brown and Gene Chiswick who have a ton of experience and have won national championships. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, I don't I don't see him in the I don't see him in the two deep at corner uh, unless he he puts together like a great spring ball and 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 shows out. But yeah, we're so loaded at corner, it's like this was kind of the least of our worries. Yeah. I'm still looking for a receiver. I think if, if Storm Duck can maybe move over and play receiver.
0: Yeah, how's uh-huh. he in the slot? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, really. We we need a receiver more than a quarter, I'd say. But
0: well, we're going to talk about the current team uh, in our next couple of segments here. The Rose Bowl, Monday, January second, kickoff at five p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Penn State's taking on <laughs> Utah. The spreads two and a half, totals fifty-two or as close there, wherever you're looking. And Maddie Fresh and I are talking that next on Locked on Nittany Lions. Today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Then online where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts for people watching. You just, uh, you're just going to have me freak out in the middle of my read there, Matt. <laughs> Camera malfunction.
1: Yeah. Can't, can't always make it through without something, right? It's always something here. So,
0: well, maybe that's a, a metaphor. I hope it's not a metaphor for our scouting report and our prediction here coming up, <laughs> of course, course of these next two uh, segments. But uh, I bring up the I bring because uh, now it, it's just everywhere. Whether it's NFL, whether it's college football, the the gambling angle of it. I mean, when you make predictions, it I, I don't see it any differently. So just match up our predictions to the line and then go from there, right? Uh, people have been making predictions forever. Uh, and, and now we have the uh, gambling side of it. Penn, uh, I'll, I'll begin with that. Uh, Penn state opened up as the two and a half point favorite. And then the betting market uh, immediately flipped it around. And I think the total was pushed from 48 to 52. Um, so what were your thoughts on the open? And then now where the line settled at? and despite all the opt-outs, it, it stayed the same.
1: Yeah, I think obviously it started out and, Penn state was one of the teams that was probably power rated higher in Vegas uh, going into this matchup when it was first announced. And then, you know, after the power ratings take place, obviously you have a system going on out there where the market kind of dictates the money. So it's a lot of people jumped in on Utah, got Utah early. They liked Utah as an underdog, obviously a little recency bias there, I think for betters, watching Utah in the Pac-12 championship game and Penn state, not getting to put a game on tape that week obviously affected it a little bit. Now this is not the same Utah team that played in the PAC 12 championship game. This is Utah without Dalton Kincaid. This is Utah without Clark Phillips, who arguably is even more of a loss than Kincaid. Um, So obviously Joey Porter might've had a little bit to do with it at the beginning, but um, I was a little interested in Penn state plus three. Um, I think it climbed there for a few days, a couple weeks ago, and then, right back to two and a half, but it won't, it will not cross three, right? We know that it's going to stay under a field goal. And uh, yeah, the total to me seems a little low. Um, Obviously Utah's explosion offensively in the Rose bowl last year, Um, you know, Penn state being a top 20 scoring offense. Uh, I think, I think the total is a little low, but obviously Vegas, looking at these two teams um, having solid hit you in the mouth defenses as well. Uh, but yeah, I think it's right where it should be. I think there's definitely some value for Penn state as an underdog. Um, I mean, obviously against Michigan did not cover as an underdog against Ohio state did not cover as an underdog. That one got away late. That was a bad beat.
0: Uh, well, depending you add, where you got the line against the Spartans, right?
1: right? That is true. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you're right. You're right
0: for that Michigan state game at the end too. So Penn if you state, got it decent. when it opened, <laughs> right? Cause they were, they were at the open. I didn't mean to cut you off, but at the open, it was no. 11. At the open, right. like the true open, it was eleven, I think, on Fanduel and DraftKings, and then mm-hmm. when it finally settled, it was nineteen.
1: Right, and was there another time outside of Michigan and Ohio State where Penn State was an underdog?
0: I don't think so. So no, because they were um, they were a favorite against Purdue, and they were a, a slow a small favorite against Auburn too.
1: Right. So you don't cover against Michigan, but. You get close against Ohio State. I don't think they did cover, but that might have something no, they to did, do with it. People, they did, they did cover against they Ohio did State. Cover that one yeah. was it yeah. six, 16 and a half maybe. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I know that one got away late, and I wasn't sure exactly how that worked right. out. It was garbage, end,
0: but, garbage time. Right.
1: Yeah, but I know people look at trends and everything when they're betting, and the market kind of dictates what these numbers will be. Um, but obviously Penn state's been in a great position all season, not just from a number standpoint, but from a big picture standpoint as an underdog, obviously this is a team that opens the season, not ranked in the top 25. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think they just play better when uh, they're underdogs and they have that mentality. And, uh, obviously this season, what was nice is that you didn't lose any games as a big favorite, took care of business, beat everybody. You should have beat lost to the two teams you're expected to lose to. Um, now are people really truly expecting penn state to lose to utah that seems to be 50 50 if you're picking like in a, in a bowl pool right i've joined a couple bowl pools and it seems that one's right right on the number of 50 50 in a couple pools so yeah i mean either way you look at it you give a field goal both ways but I think there's a ton of value on Penn state here as an underdog. If I would have set this line, I think it would have been probably Penn state minus three, which is near what it opened at. So,
0: Yeah. That's I, I want to go back to your, your comments on the total, because I think it's actually for me personally, I I thought 47 was appropriate. uh, And I thought that, or whatever, 47, 48, we're split in half numbers at this point, but uh, because I just, with the way, even before Parker Washington uh, you know, opted out of this game, but we knew he wasn't available, Penn State's offense, the dynamic of it has completely changed with him not on the football field. They're, they're more run-focused. They're going two, three tight ends now that they have all of them back, and they're using just short play action. They're not going over the top. They're not running the big plays because they don't have that deep threat this year. And then on top of that, they don't have Parker Washington. Parker Washington wasn't the vertical threat, but he opened up the field horizontally. And I've made this point, I think, 100 times now at this point. He forced teams to defend sideline to sideline with him being in the middle. And then that opened up a Mitchell Tinsley deep. That opened up a Keandre Lambert-Smith when he was on the field deep, the tight ends through the seams. And now that's gone. Defenses can hyper-focus on all of those things that Parker Washington opened up and now he's not there. So Utah being a run first team, Utah being uh, heavy tight end sets, Penn state, uh, even though they run a little more pistol and shotgun are essentially the same thing. They're power. They're both power run teams. So with that in mind, I think the clock's going to churn the, the, the ball there. There's not going to be a lot of passing. So that just, le- I, I think there's going to be scoring. It's not going to be 10 to six, but To think that one of these teams could get four or five touchdowns, I think, just when I hear some people, I think so-and-so's getting, you know, whether it's Utah or Penn State getting 45, I'm like, oh, my gosh. You're going to be pretty disappointed when one team's in the mid-20s.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll play devil's advocate. I think Penn State does get close. I think they get close to 40 here. Um, I think think Sean Clifford really opens it up in this game. Um, Back against the wall, this is it. And obviously losing Parker Washington is a huge loss, but they were able to operate the last couple of weeks of the season without him. And Keandre Lambert Smith emerged a little bit uh, as well as some of the other threats on the team, like uh, Theo Johnson, like you mentioned, um, Brenton strange will play. I, I just feel like if you watch the UCLA, Utah game, um, UCLA was able to get what they wanted through the air. And obviously UCLA with Dorian Thompson Robinson, a quarterback with similar experience as Sean Clifford. Um, I think UCLA has some stud receivers as well. I know Bobo's out there and and uh, Utah just did not defend the pass whatsoever that game. Um, Bo Nix was not as effective uh, when they had lost to, or they had lost to Oregon. Um, and I'm trying to think just through some of their other games, obviously – Caleb Williams a little banged up in the PAC 12 title game, but USC, I think in the first meeting dropped what 42 on. Him. So yeah. against, against good offenses, this team, I, I don't think the defense is quite as good as, as what people crack it up to be, especially without Phillips. He's a huge loss. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you really look at it, I, I mean, I guess my bias is just that I think the big 10 is on a whole nother level than the PAC 12 this year. Um, I think it's, kind of illustrates the Pac-12 with everybody beating each other. That kind of illustrates the point that it's just not a quality conference. Uh, I think that there were some good stories in the conference this year, right? Oregon State being one of them. Um, you know, Caleb Williams obviously wins the Heisman, but I don't know. I just feel like the the body of work, Utah lost to Florida. Like people forget that. And, and that's a thing that that's not a good loss. Right. That, that, that would have Mm -hmm. been almost equal to if Penn state had lost to Auburn. Right.
0: So, so.
1: and they had a shot in that game. Like I remember watching that game on Labor Day weekend and I think they were down two and they had the ball at the Florida 10 yard line or, or inside the ten, and they elected to go for it on fourth down instead of kick the, Oh no, it was down by three. They were down three. Could have tied and set it to overtime. Right. And they decided to go for it on fourth down. And, uh, I think it was a cross route dropped in the end zone or, or whatever happened in that game. But yeah, I was just a little confused at the coaching there um, to not kick the field goal and tie it. So I wonder, I know Kyle Whittingham, obviously uh, a lot of experience. He's an urban Meyer disciple and uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not too sure that the PAC 12 has seen this kind of offense with these kind of athletes. Um, I know obviously USC would be the one exception, mm-hmm. but um, maybe from more of a running back standpoint, right? They, they've, they've got some good quarterbacks in that league, but what Penn state's about to hit um, Utah with, with a balanced attack where maybe most offenses they face have been more pass happy. This is now a balanced attack. Penn state's going to keep you on your toes, keep you guessing. And uh, I think Allen Singleton are going to open up the pass for Sean Clifford. I think he's going to be very efficient mm-hmm. and you're going to see a game, I think similar to what you had against Minnesota. Um, I could see this and I won't, well, my score, but I could see this Save going. Save yes, it. similar to how that that <laughs> game went. So.
0: All right. Well, we got one more segment and I want your score prediction and then kind of the difference makers. So you started to get into them, but uh, let's go full in depth as far as key matchups or head to head matchups that you're looking for on both sides. uh, And we'll continue our preview of the Rose Bowl. It is locked on Nittany Lions. I'm Zach Seiko, And over on the other side, he's Matty Fresh. Today's episode is sponsored by NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks and a few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk and the results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while they're under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, and plan to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over paid for by NETSA. Welcome back to locked on Nittany Lions. I'm Zach Seiko. He's Matty Fresh, Matt Freiler, uh, author of, of course, Trace McSorley who just had his first NFL start. And I imagine you watched that from start to finish.
1: Yeah. And I tried to keep my phone away for as long as I could because it was just a stressful <laughs> night. Um, Yeah, we could talk about that for hours. But, yeah, I think Trace obviously played as as well as he could. He he gave it all out there. He battled. And uh, what I will say quickly is I completely disagree with the decision by Cliff Kingsbury uh, to reactivate Colt McCoy and and play him. I think that Trace should finish the season as the Arizona Cardinals starter, and there are many reasons why. But this is locked on Nittie Lions, not locked on Arizona Cardinals. So we'll save that for them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, Trey, uh, I thought, and against the top five Buccaneers defense, you know, let's just, you know, with that, with that all being said, you know, that's, that's tough to go against in your first NFL career start for, for anybody. Uh, So with that being said, his Penn State Nittany Lions, his former team are going up against Utah. We've established that they're a two and a half point underdog. The, the total set around 51, 52, wherever you can get it. Uh, You like the over. I think this is going to be a game where just the clock's going to move so fast and these defenses are really good, but you think that Utah's got some holes in it. So where, where is Penn State exposing that Utah defense?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be in the pass game. I think that obviously Utah has a very solid front seven, uh, but I think there's going to be some questions in the secondary with Clark Phillips being out. That's a, that's a lockdown corner. He did not have a lot of balls thrown his way this season. I uh, watched him on tape, just a phenomenal athlete, obviously going to be a first-round pick. Uh, just like Joey Porter, and I think it'll be interesting to see who goes in the draft first. I think you can make an argument for Porter or Phillips. Um, Porter a little bit bigger, but Phillips is mm-hmm. is just the total package. So, yeah, I think that uh, guys like Mitchell Tinsley and Keandre Lambert Smith um, could break out in this game. I know Mitchell Tinsley been a little bit quiet. Kind of had a great start to the season, and and uh, Parker Washington took it from there. Keandre Lambert Smith obviously hurt in the Northwestern game, and bounce back with a touchdown against Michigan State, had kind of a coming out party uh, in that game. So, yeah, I think you see uh, Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren continue to get work. I think Brenton Strange uh, will get his. I could see Sean Clifford uh, ending up with something around the the neighborhood of uh, a 32 for 41 day. I think it's going to be uh, probably his most pass completions that he has had all season. Um, and I think that's just going to be the way Utah wants to play. It's going to dictate the pace of the game. It's going to be a lot of up and down football. Um, I don't think it's going to be too much of a slack fest because Utah um, is without Tavion Thomas as well. Obviously he shut down after Oregon and um, man, to not have to go against a six foot two, 240 pound running back. uh, That would have been really, really tough for the Penn state defense. One of the best running backs they had seen all season uh, outside of Blake Horm and Mo Ibrahim, but Yeah, I think that it really just comes back to the past game. I think this is obviously people have been calling it Sean Clifford legacy game. I think it's very true. I think that Sean can have a similar day to as he did against Minnesota. And I think the Penn State defense is poised to just go out there and and get key stops and force turnovers. And Cam Rising is a stud. I won't take anything away from him. What he did against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl last year was impressive, Uh, but yeah, we'll see, right? Solomon Enos, another guy who is going to be interesting in this one as U- Utah's wide receiver, uh, the son of Curtis Enos. Uh, and I know back then when he committed, there was a lot of controversy around, wow, how do we lose Curtis Enos' son, Penn State legend, right? Uh, but, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. We saw that with Emmett Smith. It doesn't, doesn't always work out with a father-son uh, staying at the same school. But, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting game. I think Utah will want to make this up and down just like they did last year. And uh, I think Penn State has the wits to outscore Utah. <laughs>
0: What's the key to stopping Utah's offense? Because they're down Tavian Thomas. Is Thomas Yasmin really going to replicate the same kind of production uh, like Dalton Kincaid had? Uh, Yasmin's interesting because he has 12 receptions, which isn't all that much, but he's got 300 yards and five touchdowns off of 12 catches. So almost half the time he's scoring a touchdown and turning into a big play because that's 25 yards per catch. So plus, so uh, is it stop the tight end? Is it stop the ground game? Is a guy like Vele, who's their big receiver, he's six foot five. Is that going to be a problem for a a shorter Johnny Dixon uh, or a Kalen King who is bigger, but obviously not six foot five?
1: Yeah, I think you got Utah's balance just like Penn State, right? Utah wants to smack you in the mouth up front. Uh, They still have some decent tailbacks. Uh, even though Tavian thomas is no longer there cam rising can run the ball he's more of a rushing threat than uh well you know people don't give sean clifford credit he he is a um mobile quarterback but i think cam rising probably likes to run a lot more than sean clifford um at least that's the way the offense is designed so i think it's just uh rising got going early in last year's Rose Bowl, and i get it that's different yeah. teams and different situations but i think cam rising uh he, he's kind of one of those players that he, he plays with his heart on his sleeve, and and once he gets going, he's hard to stop. So yeah. it's it's maybe picking him off a couple times in the first half, getting a few sacks. Penn State's defensive line getting a, a good pass rush, and then um, Kaylin King just absolutely balling out and and continuing to be a ball magnet back there. And it's just going to be so fun to watch Tate Brown. Uh, I think that if I had to guess, yeah. Tate Brown will lead the team in tackles here because. He's just going to be all over the field, laying it all on the line for this one. But yeah, I think you have two similar styles of offense, both kind of balanced, both can run and throw the ball, both with very experienced quarterbacks and, and targets on the outside. I just think Penn State has a little more speed in this one, and that's when it's going to come down to.
0: I think, and I'm going to ask you for your score prediction here in a second. I think offensively, uh, Utah defensively has to blitz as much as they do because they can't get after the quarterback with four. That's starting. To, that's something that I'm hearing ramp up in the conversations. Um, that the defensive line just can't get home, and, and that helps not only a rejuvenated Penn State offensive line when it comes to you know pushing everybody back, setting the line of scrimmage, and then Utah's like, well, you know, now we got to sell out for the run. And then that's where any of those three tight ends can get involved because the play action, I think the play action is just going to kill Utah. Um, So with that being said, I mean, that's my, that's like my key matchup is Penn State's offensive line versus Utah's defensive line. And then ultimately that play action. And Sean Clifford keeping the balls. Uh, One of the best plays was him keeping it against Michigan because it faked out Gus Johnson and everyone in that, uh, everyone in Ann Arbor. So I think he'll uh, run the ball, not necessarily a whole bunch, but I think he'll run the ball effectively. And Utah's just not really going to have an answer here. I-, I was on the lowing lower scoring end, so I'm going to go first. Uh, originally, I was 24 to 20 because I thought the clock would turn out, but I'm going to give another seven to Penn State here and say 31 to 20. Um, I think they win by the the two. Two scores here, uh, and uh, they might. It might even be thirty-five to twenty because I really don't see them kicking field goals because of the running game that they have now and the offensive line with Olu Fashion to being back. Caden Wallace, we know Drew Scruggs is playing. All the tight ends are a hundred percent. The running backs finally got some time off. I mean, even kevon Lee could be back. So uh, I will say thirty-one to twenty, but I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State does convert a, another touchdown rather than settling for a field goal here.
1: Yeah, I said it last episode. I've been saying it all year. I think there are maybe six or seven teams in the country at this point that Penn State would be an underdog to. I'm shocked that Utah is one of those. Uh, Because if you look at the top 10 teams in the country, I don't think you would put Utah in the top six. So I'm a little shocked at this line, like I mentioned before. I think the market has a lot to do with it. I think a lot of market has been doubting Penn State all year. I'm going to go Penn State 38, Utah 21.
0: Okay, so similar ballpark here, but you think Penn State uh, puts up some more points and we didn't even talk about, you know, the the turnovers you said that could happen. uh, Getting to Cam rising is definitely going to be a major key here. Matty Fresh is over on the other side. Matt Freiler joining me on another episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. Matt, before I let you go, how can people uh, follow your work and stay connected with you?
1: Yeah, of course. Follow me on Spotify and Apple Music or wherever you get your music. I'm uh, on there as Matty Fresh. You can subscribe to my channel on YouTube, some big things coming for 2023. And uh, follow me on Twitter at MattyFreshTV.
0: All right, perfect. Matt, thanks so much for your time as always. Looking forward to uh, another conversation in the not too distant future and have uh, a fun time out there in Pasadena.
1: Yeah, we'll see you on the other side of the new year. Appreciate it, Zach. All right,
0: that will do it. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of Locked On Knitting Lions. I hope you enjoyed the show with myself, Zach Sako, and Maddie Fresh. It's always great to connect with him on these shows and. It's finally here. All all this month of preparation and previews and everything. Go back through some of the older videos because all the information is still relevant with Penn State taking on Utah in the Rose Bowl Monday, January 2nd. It's going to be a fun game. I like Penn State in this one, and you should too, as they are just the better team and a more balanced team uh, as that should be the conversation that Utah won't necessarily be able to handle when all said and done. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a fun game, and we'll react to all of it and recap the season and start our conversation about 2023. That is all coming up here on Locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked on Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only locked on can provide locked on sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.